Welcome to Freedom Family. And isn't it good to be with the family today? And I want to remind you that in telling you this, it's not a marketing ploy. It's got to become, it's got to become the real deal. And in the beginning of this in 2018, one of the things that I told you was that Christians have got to be better at being Christians. So why isn't the church growing? I watched, uh, uh, I, was, I was perusing. Anybody do this with Facebook? You know, just look through what. And uh, there's some people that I follow that may not be like my closest buddies, but they were, one of my brothers was talking about uh, how that, you know, the, the church has just been so depleted in the United States. And, and uh, I tell you what, the United States is a mission field right now. But... Uh, if we were better Christians, I believe we would be better churches. And part of that is embracing the reality that we are mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters, right? I, um, I'm, I'm not asking for, I mean, be careful the way that I, I share this. And let me just go on and then I'll share this. Just reminding ourselves, here's our, here's our vision, reaching every family, empowering every family, and then embracing everyone as a part of the Freedom Fellowship family. Um, we've got to do this on purpose. I think we've always been family, but how many believe we can do better as being family? Anybody believe that? So uh, uh, we're going to continue in this discussion. Uh, we're in the last Sunday of February. I've been teaching you on the art of love. That's right. Love. Everybody say love. Of course, we're talking about families, we've been talking about marriages, we've been talking about homes and trying to get this right. Um, and uh, I lost a cousin uh, this week. I'll, I'll probably make a quick trip uh, to the funeral. Uh, pretty close girl, 53 years old, uh, and it was a sudden loss. Elisa, Elisa York is her name. And uh, uh, in telling you that, one of the, anybody ever have that moment where you lose somebody that you've been really close to and you think, man, I wish I'd have been closer in the last several years. Anybody ever been there? That's where I am. So like we grew up, anybody have those cousin buddies? Cousin buddies? You know, we're first cousins. And uh, for, until my baby brother came along, uh, there were three of us that were the baby cousins, you know, and I was the oldest baby cousin, you know. My dad, uh, my dad's youngest for the, for the long, longest time, I was the baby's son uh, for 10 years at least. I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not upset that my younger brother came along. I'm just saying that for 10 years, I had that. Uh, and then my, my aunt, her youngest daughter, and then my uncle, his youngest uh, daughter, the three of us, we were like the three amigos, you know, and... Uh, uh, and, but, and, and as kids, we just always played, always ran around together. And then when we get back, you know, it's like we always know it was us, you know. Uh, and uh, I did see her in the past year. But you don't have that, that, that family thing that you really want. Does that make sense? If, if, if that makes sense, just say amen so I know that I don't have to keep talking about this. All right, so. Um, but I was thinking about that, and I, I kind of feel like that in the church as well. How many know that it, you can go for, you can allow things to happen that separate you that should not separate you? And we need to watch over one another better. Amen? Amen. So uh, I want to make sure that we do that. And, and, and it's got to be more than programs. It's got to be more than religion. Right? 
Because you can grow, I mean, you can get a lot of people together on a Sunday. If I entertain you just right, you might come. But I want us to be family, and that's what we're working on, being mothers and fathers and, and brothers and sisters. Uh, we're also focusing heavily on, during this month, uh, empowering families. Uh, how many want your kids to do great? How many want your kids just to be amazing? But you realize, if you're a parent, that what's going on in your marriage is going to impact your children. Right? Say, nah, you know, this, do what I say, don't do what I do think, just don't work. It doesn't work. But we think it does, you know. I've ins- I taught you better than that. No. You taught me exactly what I'm doing right now. I learned very well. And that feels guilty. How many know that sometimes that makes me feel guilty, right? Makes you feel like, yeah. And as you get older and you watch your children rise up, you will look at them. And we do this on occasion, you know, and you might say, well, Pastor, your kids are perfect. I'm not going to tell you everything about my kids, all right? Uh, uh, you know, presence on staff here, you know. But on occasion, you'll see something, and your grown children will say, wonder why? And then, it, like, a bell goes off in your head. Oh, that was me. Right? That was me. And so uh, there are some things, though, that we, that are just going to, you know, it's going to happen. But there's some things we could fix. And God has called us to it. And it has to do with just being better believers. Uh, last weekend, talking about the art of love, uh, I took you to 1 Corinthians 13 and 8. And we talked about Agape. Uh, because there are different words for love. We just say love. You do not love hot dogs like you love your wife. Right? But we have one word for love. I mean, it's like you love chocolate cake, you love, you know, baseball, and you love that one. What was that? Yes. (laughs) How many know you need to love your family? Anybody know that? And it's a different kind of love. There's phileo. We talked about a story. We talked about eros. And in our culture, eros is the thing, right? We love eros, which is simply passionate. has to do with uh, sexual desire. Uh, And there's a place for all of that, amen? But all of the words of love, if you can get agape into it, it will purify it. Uh, the word agape is the love of God, and we talked about that. Agape is supernatural love that is evidenced by sacrificial action. So when 1 Corinthians 13, 8 says love never fails, what he's saying is agape never fails. All right? Agape never fails. The love of God never fails. If it's the love of God, it won't fail. Because a lot of you, when you read that scripture, love never fails, you say, well, I was in love, and it failed. Right? And I'm saying you were in something, but it wasn't love. And then I talked to you last week also about that that statement that you've seen, love is love. Anybody seen that? Love is love. Well, love is love. It doesn't matter who you love as long as you love somebody. And what I showed you last week was eros is eros, right? All right, so just because you might be, you know, you might feel an attraction to somebody does not necessarily mean that that's agape. And, and so agape is agape, and a lot of things are not agape. I, wanna, I, I, I reminded you about covenant, And the reality that two people can come down and they can get married and still not agape one another. And you're going to change. As time goes by, you're going to change. And if agape isn't present, your relationship is in dangerous, in a dangerous place. 
You need sacrificial love. It amazes me. It amazes me. You know, I asked my wife on occasion, you love me, don't you, baby? You know, you love me, honey. You know, you love me. And, and she'll just sit there quietly. And I say, you love me, right? You know? And uh, what, I'm, what I'm saying is, well, I'm just, you know, I'm just messing with her. But at, at the same time, what I think we say that we, we use terminology like that. And, and the reality is, is that I am not that same 21-year-old boy, young man that I was, or the 16-year-old that I'm not 16 anymore. I, I know you look at me and say, Pastor, no, you still look good, but I've got pictures. I know what I look like. It is hard work now looking this good. I need agape in my life today more than ever. I need somebody that will look at me and no matter what I'm going through, they'll love me. That will know the details of my life and love me. That will love me sacrificially even when it's hard, even when it's difficult. Amen? Agape, to love one another like Jesus loves. I have found that I don't have even what it takes to love people without the love of God. How many are in the room with some people you didn't like? Oh, don't, don't lift your hand. Okay, don't lift your hand. Tim, lift your hand. Put your hand back down, Tim. All right. Listen, I have to say, God, fill me with the love that I need. Because agape love is supernatural love. So I need to, in the morning, I need to kind of have an agape time. God, you know, just fill us with the love of God. Some of you say, well, you know, I still, you still haven't got to praying in the morning. You have got to get over your bad self and start praying in the morning. And if you're married, I have told you over, start praying with one another. Every day, pray together. And I know it gets quiet when I tell you that because, you know, you're getting up in a hurry and running out the door. And I know your schedules don't ever always work together. Find some time. Light a candle for spiritual intimacy. So... We've been doing that for a while, and our, we've, got this, we've got this big pillar candle on our table, and it has got this massive hole in the middle of it from where we light the candle and we pray every day. And I'm, I'm saying, God, that's pretty. And he's saying, I want to take you deeper. I want to take you deeper. I want to take you deeper. So uh, I, I don't want to just, re- I do, I really kind of want to just re-preach last Sunday's sermon uh, but uh, can I remind you of some scriptures? Galatians 5.14, the entire law is summed up in a single command, love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, and that is agape. Agape, agape. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. I love that. In Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit is after discussion of love, Right? And he says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. These are all of these things that are going to come by the Spirit of the Lord in your life. And he begins by saying, love, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. How many think that those things, uh, those statements speak of purity in relationships? Does anybody believe that? That God wants your relationships whole. So, agape. So, uh, I want to continue in the art of love and just speak to you for a few moments uh, I, I want to talk to you about an enemy of agape, and it's anger. 
Anger. How many have been angry today? All right. So I don't know. I'm going to give you some revelation, but I just want to look at this one scripture for a few moments. In your anger, do not sin. Say that out loud. In your anger, do not sin. And then the apostle goes on to say this. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. All right, you ready to pray? Because I feel like, come Holy Spirit, help us right now. So I want to give you some revelation that is paramount in the art of love and, and, and as the body of Christ, it's going to impact your relationships. It's also going to let you know because some of you might be in relationships right now and you really don't know what you're dealing with. Uh, because anger comes in different flavors, doesn't it? Because some people can be angry for a moment and some people live in rage. Okay, it can develop to a place where you're throwing stuff and it and you're you just have these quick triggers. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't take much. Uh, I um, <clears throat> was uh, perusing Facebook the other day. I was doing that looking at Devin Shaner had posted something about saying honey and sweetheart in the south. Anybody saw that? You know what I'm talking about? And if you post it, I'm, I'm not picking on you on this. I'm just telling you, uh, I don't post on a lot of that stuff because I just don't need the drama, all right? But I do like reading it. Uh, so uh, she's, how do you feel when people say honey and sweetheart to you? And there were people say, well, you're in the South. You need to get used to that, all right? So in Virginia, you might get called honey, right? Come on, honey, say, say amen, all right? honey and sweetie, sweetie pie, sweetheart, or you're in the South. That's what we do. All right. And uh, it was that even in the old days, even before. I mean, in, in, you know, all my life, I can remember that I, I was born in Kentucky. So it's not it's kind of like the language of life. Uh, however, there are some people that write. That's my major pet peeve when somebody calls me honey or somebody that is much younger than me walks up and, and, and it's demeaning to them. So, you know, I hear that. I, I get that. Uh, and I have, anybody else have a pet peeve? Anybody have some pet peeves? For me, bad service at a restaurant. All right. I'll manage it, but I used to work in a restaurant at one day. All right. When I, and I, I would train people on how to serve. Uh, and uh, I, there's, it's just, I think that's silly. But, uh, you know, you walk in and somebody has a bad attitude and you can't ask anything and it's like, you know, and think, okay, that's, that's good. But then I have to ask Holy Spirit to help me because I don't know what's going on in their lives. All right, so now I'm just, I'm just talking right now. But um, I want us to look at the scripture. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Uh, I was, uh, one of my favorite Bible stories is the story of Jehoshaphat. Uh, anybody know the story of Jehoshaphat when he's defeating that mighty army, 2 Chronicles chapter 5, or 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15. So they're out, they're outmanned, and the enemy is, is around them. And the Bible says that the prophet uh, Jehaziel, the Holy Spirit comes upon him, and he says this, Listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. I love that. The battle is not yours, but God. Somebody shout amen. amen. And then he says, tomorrow, march down against them. What? I thought this was your battle. 
You like that? It's like the battle is not yours, it's gone. Now tomorrow I want you to march. <laughs> what? <laughs> I thought it was yours. I wasn't planning to do nothing. And then he says, they will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. And I'm, I'm looking at this, and what jumps at me from this page is you're going to be victorious, and you're going to march. You're going to have to go face some things, but I'm going to tell you exactly where the enemy is. Did you hear that? God knows where the enemy is. And if you read his, his word, he will inform you of this, all right? Ephesians 6 and 11, uh, the Bible says, Paul writes this, he says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And, and I know we say this, we say, you know, the devil, the devil's behind me and I'm not putting up with the devil. Well, here's what you need to know, is you can't outsmart the devil, he has been deceiving people a long time before you were born, and I know you think you're the smartest person in the world, but I, you need to understand that the devil is smart, and he has schemes, he has strategies against you. So that being said, when your house is filled with anger, I want you to know that's where the enemy is. When there is venom in your conversations constantly and you can't resolve any conflicts, that's where the enemy is. Please know that the Lord has given you authority over this in his word, but you're going to have to march. You're going to have to take a stand. You're going to have to stop ignoring it and saying, well, that's just the way he is. He's always yelling at people. That's just my demeanor. I'm angry. I come off that way. Folks, the enemy loves to settle into a place in your life and pass it down generation to generation, and you just call it a mannerism, but this mannerism is destroying you, destroying your home, destroying your children. Satan loves an angry household. He lives there. He has a, a strategy to destroy your relationships, your families, your marriages, and the church. You say, well, you know, me and my boyfriend, we argue all the time. It's just, he's just really passionate. <laughs> you can be passionately wrong. Amen. The only way we can be successful here, we got to get agape into this, right? And how many know that's not agape? You understand that's not the love of God. And I understand we're passionate people, but the enemy wants, what he wants to do is to entice you to validate that which is unrighteous. And we understand that. I talked to you last week and taught you very clearly about some things that in our culture are like very normal. I mentioned uh, same-sex marriage last week. And, and uh, how many know we're compassionate to people who are struggling in those areas? And we understand that there's a lot of fracturing in relationships and things like that. We love and we care for people. At the same time, we also know what God's Word says about things. And, and so, so in, in telling you that, uh, you know, sometimes we like to validate things that we don't want to face up to. Right? We like to validate things that we don't want to, to face. And uh, you've got to be careful while you're validating your right to unrighteous anger because 
you can end up giving what Ephesians 4.26 says is a foothold, a place in your life to the enemy, a place for the enemy, a reserved seat for the devil literally in your life. That's what the scripture says. So we need to discern what's going on. That's what he's saying here. Uh, He's saying, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Jesus, now now, how many have been angry? Anybody been angry? Just so I know I'm talking to the right people. Does anybody know that anger, you can't have godly anger. You, You know that. But don't always call it that. Stop yourself. Uh, there's a difference. Uh, in, in, in some versions it says, be angry, but do not sin. And it's like there's almost this command to be angry. Well, we, we find ourselves trying to avoid and explain the, the statement away because anger does not sound godly. But I want you to know that God does get angry. And Jesus began and ended his ministry a little angry. Twice he went to the temple, kicked all the tables over, and drove the money changers out. So, so you understand, in Scripture, you can see God was angry at the unbelief of Moses, which caused him to resist obeying the command of God to go to Egypt. And God is angered by the mistreatment of those who are helpless. He's, he's angered when it comes to uh, seeing, and, and you know, Gloria, you were talking about, seeing those children that are drawn into prostitution, who, who are abused. How many, anybody agree with that? When you feel that sort of thing, when you see people that are mistreated, uh, you know, widows and orphans, that should bother you. God was angry by men turning from trusting and worshiping him to worshiping idols. God is angered by the grumbling and complaining of his people, which is often expressed by with Israel, their resistance to leadership. Why is Moses leading us here? You know? So God, God has these moments. Righteous anger is simply a passion for godliness. So if you're trying to determine what it is. Righteous anger is, I have a passion for rightness, for godliness, for God to be glorified. Anybody ever had that before? Just, I want, I want the name of the Lord to be lifted up. I want him to be worshipped. So when I see like dissension in the church, my anger is a close relative to grief. And uh, so, so the anger we're speaking of today, though, is not godly. It is the anger of man, specifically it's anger also that's left over. Anger that just doesn't seem to go away. Paul says in Ephesians 4, he says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So he's saying this to the church. Ultimately, then he comes down to this statement in verse 26 and verse 27. In your anger, do not sin. And look at this. You've heard this before. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Does that sound like a directive to anybody? And do not give the devil a foothold. I love great marriages. And sometimes great marriages, you'll see anger in them. But you need to understand that the devil will keep stirring things up that you do not resolve. Don't let the sun go down. Don't give the devil a place to stand. I want to defeat the power of anger and reveal some truth to you. We could save some homes today. 
We, anybody excited about that? We could rescue some children. Anybody ever have to pray, God, you're going to have to help me or I'm going to hurt somebody? Anybody ever been there? <laughs> Wave at me. Anybody? As fallen flesh, we often are driven by a sinful nature and we have this inclination to be angry. And you need to get up in the morning. How many need to get up in the morning and pray, God, fill me with agape right now? Anybody? Fill me with your love because what, what I got going on right now, somebody could get hurt. I've done so much marriage counseling and, and uh, I have never seen anyone win an angry fight by getting more angry. Never. I've never had two people sit down and me tell them, look, you just need a safe place to yell at each other. Doesn't work. You say, well, I'm fighting fire with fire. The only way to, you know, really what it is is a battle for dominance. And so you're arguing and yelling until somebody will perhaps back down. Doesn't work. Will not work. You say, well, that's just the way we communicate. You're lying to yourself, and you're believing the devil who happens to be a liar. I'll get to that. And, I, I, and so, so Paul writes this statement, don't let the sun go down on, to go down while you are still angry. And uh, I've worked with this scripture and I realized that you can't stay up all night all the time. However, if you are at that place in your life where you're having to say, well, constantly, I'm just going to have to deal with this tomorrow and go to bed angry. I want you to know that you have just illustrated what it's like to live with the devil in your home. You've given him a place, a foothold, a place to stand. The Pharisees came to Jesus and challenged him regarding divorce once, and listen to his response. Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. Okay? Does anybody understand that? Because I've heard this discussed. How many know Pharaoh had a hard heart? And the Bible says God, have you heard this? God hardened the heart of Pharaoh. Anybody heard that? And we say, well, God made him hard. No, no, no. Let's just take the word uh, and change it. All right? How many have ever had somebody say something and your heart got hard? And then you blamed it on them. Well, if you hadn't said that, I wouldn't be feeling this way right now. So... If your triggers are hairpin, it doesn't take much to get your heart hard. All God had to do was try to take authority over Pharaoh, and Pharaoh got mad. And so that happens, I believe, often in our lives. You know, how, how do you go from passionate love at a, at a wedding how do you go from, oh, I love you, and I'll be there for you. I love everybody writing their own vows these days. You're my one and only. And I love you. I can't. I just want to be with you since the first time I started you. I mean, I, I'm, I'm teasing you. I know some of you have been at weddings with me. And I usually say, look, I, I, want you to, I want you to go ahead and say some nice things to each other. But then let's do some other things together. You know, I usually do that sort of thing. And, and the reason is, is because I've seen people say some really nice stuff to each other and then nearly beat each other with the wedding bouquet before they get out the door. 
How do you go from being brothers and sisters in Christ to arguing over trivial things? How do you go from being the family of God to being polarized by race and politics? How does that happen? On One drop of unresolved anger at a time will destroy your relationship. What is anger? Anger is a strong emotional reaction of displeasure often leading to plans for revenge and punishment. Many words for anger in the Hebrew. I'm not going to take the time to go through all of this, but when, when anger is of the flesh, it will produce bitterness and relational brokenness, unforgiveness, and generational curses. You need to deal with this when you're young. Man's anger is evidenced by the absence of love it may even corrupt other types of love, such as, uh, such as eros. Everybody knows what eros is, right? All right. When I talk about that type of intimacy, anger can destroy that type of physical intimacy and lead you into adulterous relationships. I'm so angry at him, I'll just go be with somebody else. Or your friendships. Anger leads to gossip and division uh, or families leading to vision under sinful pretense. God's anger is not like man's anger because there is grace and mercy in his anger. There's purpose. God is the only one who can exact vengeance because he is merciful and purposeful. Vengeance is his. It's not mine. Somebody shout anger is dangerous. You may have invested greatly in your relationship, but anger will, will, will destroy it. And I, I warn parents also, because anger has a massive influence on your children. Don't let children drink from the well of your unresolved conflicts. You should write poison on the side of your anger. Notice, listen, and I know... You know, we got a lot of exes that we're connected with. Amen? But if, if, you're, if you're a child of divorce, listen, it can consistently cause conflict. And often we can see children who withdraw themselves from conflict for fear that every relationship is going to end in abandonment. Somebody is watching your dysfunctional way of handling conflict. Anger has to be processed, though, doesn't it? But sometimes we process our anger, we process our anger by intimidation. Intimidation is an argumentative verbal assault. Anybody ever assaulted somebody with your words before? You are always that way. I am not. And off you go. The, uh, the assaulted then learn to withdraw and shut down. If you assault a child, sooner or later, they will bottle up their anger and they will learn not to confront anyone. But then when they finally do confront, just so you understand, anger that is not resolved eventually will need severe ventilation. Somebody's going to get hurt. If you're one of those broken people who has inner unresolved anger and you can't manage it, you've probably been, uh, been broken by others. So, so here's the problem. Whatever, whatever anger you do not resolve will become a place for the enemy to stand. 
Hmm. And here's the problem. The devil is a liar. John 8, 44. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for Satan is a liar and the father of liars. Here's, here's what happens. Here's some, here's some satanic lies that we believe about anger. Wrong behavior will produce a right result. Right? That's, that's what Satan tells us. You know, you know that the verbal assault that you're releasing right now, well, that's all I can do because they won't listen to nothing else. And you probably haven't heard from the Holy Spirit lately either. Here's another lie of the enemy. Doing the right thing will not produce the correct result. I'm going to keep my anger. I'm going to stay angry. I'm going to stay venomous. I'm going to use every possible word. It's amazing. And I, I do. I, I was talking about Facebook. I even read. I, some people like to unfriend folks. But some people who are part of my church that have amazing vocabularies. Just so you know, I read everything that you post. And I'm going to tell you. Doing the right thing will change behaviors. Threatening, cussing, screaming, intimidation doesn't fix things. Bringing your friend to tears by dismantling them verbally is not the path to making them whole. I've tried to correct people before according to the word of God and told them what you need to do is love and to forgive and to believe God's word and, and hearing them to under, say something like this, Pastor, you just don't understand my situation. Now wait. So I'm telling you what the word of God says. And you're telling me that I don't understand your situation. And I want to agree. I don't understand. I've not been there. I am not going home with you today. But I'm telling you that God's word will impact every situation. And is the ultimate authority. Come on. The interpretation that I hear is the word of God doesn't apply to me. The word of God's not powerful enough for me. I know you think you married the spawn of Satan, but the word of God is still the word of the living God. And here's the problem. Here's what God's word says. I don't want you to let the sun go down on your anger. Why? How many of Anybody ever been married before and been mad at each other? And it was not a cuddle night. It was not. You did not. Hey, baby, come over here and hold me. She just, won't you just go over there and hold your pillow or something? You roll over all angry, grab a hold of your pillow, and you lay in there, sleeping with the enemy. No, I'm not talking about the person. I'm talking about the devil. Anybody ever slept with the devil before? No, no, I'm not talking about your husband or your wife or your last bad relationship. Okay? I'm talking about when you sit there with unresolved anger and then you begin to make inner vows. I am not putting up with that junk anymore. I don't know what he thinks talking to me that way. But I ain't putting up with his junk one more minute. If I get the minute, if I get another chance, I'm gonna hurt her so bad. I'm gonna make her regret it. I don't have to do this. I'm more important than that. 
and you go ahead and make your plans. You just, he said, why can't I sleep at night? Because it's really tough sleeping with the devil. Preach. Anger will play a movie in your head. Here's, here's the reality. Satan's best disguise is you. You think these are your thoughts, but the enemy is now controlling your life, and you have succumbed to his lies. I have uh, some scriptural authority on this issue. It's Matthew 16. Remember, Jesus tells his disciples what's going to go on, and that he's going to die, and he's going to suffer, and, but he's going to be raised on the third day. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Somebody say rebuke. That's a powerful word. That's not a minor word. That's a powerful word. Began to rebuke him. In other words, he got in Jesus' face. And he said, Never, Lord. I don't want to hear you talking like this again. Be talking about how you're going to get hurt and all of this. This will never happen to you. And Jesus turned and said, Peter, said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. In other words, your thoughts now and your anger is of Satan. Satan now has a foothold in your mind. It's interesting, just a few scriptures before them, Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, upon this rock, uh, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And just a few scriptures later, he's looking at me saying, get behind me, Satan. I'm talking to Christians right now. Because... You don't have the things of God in mind, but the things of men. Satan loves to speak to you in his language of anger and fear. How many know fear is a demonic prophet from hell? Anybody know that? Sent to give you a negative report because as soon as you get in fear, fear often makes you mad. I'm, I'm just about finished here. We were not designed by God to operate as a repository for anger. It destroys us on every level I was cleaning up some old things and throwing them in the trash, found a flashlight, turned it on, didn't work, and I opened it up, and the batteries inside of it had corroded. And I shook them out, but like the little spring and the other things, they had been corrupted by it as well. Now, just so you know, anger will motivate you, but will also destroy you. So we need to deal with conflict resolution Proverbs 15 and 1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Three things. One, intentionally deal with your conflict. Two, do not lose control of your emotions. And three, begin with affirmation. How many need to deal with some conflict, but you don't know how to do it? You need to write this down. Um, Here's the reality. I'm going to preach this. Your conversation seldom rises above the level of the first three minutes. How you start it is probably how you're going to end it. We're going to talk right now. And just so you know, I'm not putting up with any more of this because this is the way you are. Let me tell you that you have already blown it. Don't expect to resolve anything. And I would also recommend when it comes to correcting children, don't start that way. I ain't putting up with you and your mess anymore. 
How many have done this before and you know it doesn't work? Wave at me. Anybody? Just so I get, I got five confessions and the rest of you are just, oh, Pastor, stop talking about me. Uh, start with affirmation. That would be an idea. Because if, if you can start with some I love you, we're in this thing together, honey. And I know that there's something going on, but I love you and I just want to talk with you. Could we just talk about what's going on? Write that down. Ask me if I know what I'm talking about. I've been married 36 years. I got something to say about this. Don't lose control of your emotions. Begin with affirmation. I haven't got time to go all over through this, but I was looking at Psalm 104. Anybody like this? Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. That's how God likes to be approached. Perhaps our worship is too much like our conflict resolution. You know? coming in, I just, uh, that's not my style, I don't like that. You need to back off and go into the presence of God. God, you have been so good to me. I, I love you. Thank you. Even if you're dealing with your children or a friend, the agape path is thanksgiving and praise. Uh, and you got to be really cautious about those other, other statements. I'm moving swiftly. After you've affirmed, when you've said what you've said, um, You'll be able to speak more clearly. Say something like this. When you said what you said to me, it hurt me. And this is how I feel. And I really don't know what's going on in your heart, but I would like to know so that we can fix this. I know going from where you've been to what I just said seems like a billion miles. But it will change your relationships. You have some complaints. How many have had some serious complaints before? Anybody? Okay, if you have some, remember the difference between a specific complaint and a global complaint. All right? Specific complaint. Rick, I, you know, I really would like you to take out the trash. <laughs> I know that's a simple one, right? <laughs> global one. Rick, you never do anything around the house. See the difference? All right? Your global, global complaint just undermined your ability to resolve your conflict. Three scriptures and I'm going to finish. James 1. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. I'm born again child of God. I just talk like the devil. Come on. We should be quick to listen. God gave you two ears and one tongue. So you ought to listen twice as much as you talk and you can resolve conflict. Ecclesiastes 7. Do not be quickly provoked in your spirit for anger resides in the lap of fools. <coughs> Romans 12, 17. Stand up with me. That's not scripture. Stand up with me is what I want you to do. <laughs> do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Here's the scripture. Do not take revenge, my friends. Leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. All right.
Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. How many believe that's a good scripture for us? Anybody believe that? How many believe this could heal your family, heal your home? How many need to apologize to somebody for your anger? Anybody? Just lift your hand up. Anybody need to apologize to somebody for your anger? Now, here's the reality. Nobody wants to accept this, I don't think, but here's the reality. If I had somebody in the room right now that could manifest demons, man, we could have church right now. If I could get you to come up, maybe you know, do some of that exorcist thing, get your head to spin around, spit out some green stuff, say, wow, the devil is real. But all you have to do is look at the reality of marital conflict in our nation and realize that Satan has found some places to possess. If I could just have a recording of what's going on in your house right now and play that, we'd have enough evidence to do an exorcism right there. Is that too hard? I just want you to get honest. If I could cast anger out of your house, we might be able to save your marriage. Might be able to. But if I don't, if we don't, if we don't grab a hold of this, then what we'll really do is multiply it. All of your children. You say, well, they don't even want to talk to me right now. They're never anger. That's because they just hide out. They don't want to argue with you because you got a much bigger voice than they do. And you have all the power. God wants to heal you first. And if he can heal you, then he can heal your children. And he can heal the next generation. Perhaps he could even heal our land. How many feel like the land is angry right now? Anybody feel like the land is angry? So just lay your hand on the shoulder of somebody here, and I'm going to have a mass exorcism right now. All right, so lay your hand on somebody's shoulder. Take them by the hand. If they're coughing or something, just kind of lean at them. Okay, I guess so. You ready? Father, in the name of Jesus, I stand with this community that you've brought here. I thank you for your grace and your love. I thank you for the power of the cross. Lord, you have taught us to love one another as you love us, sacrificially with agape. But Father, in many of the houses, in many of the lives of people in this room today, there is great anger that is destructive. And Father, in the name of Jesus, by the power of the blood of Christ on the cross, I displace the enemy from the lives of people. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come and rest in the hearts of people in such a way that anger would be checked in their lives, that voices would be stilled in the name of Jesus, that we would learn the power of a word of love and a word of healing. I pray for all of us. I pray for the children that have been hurt deeply by anger. And I pray for husbands 
Father, after we've been this way for a long time, it's tough to change. So Holy Spirit, we need you right now. Come, Holy Ghost. Break that stronghold in my life. I need some men to say that. Say, come, Holy Spirit. Break the stronghold in my life. Heal every marriage. Heal families. Save us in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, stay right where you are just for a moment. I want some of my prayer workers to come and stand in the altar. And I want to invite some of you for prayer as we complete this service. One, if you need to give your life to Jesus, I want you to meet me up here, okay? Two, if you're struggling in a great way with anger in your home and you know you need more than just a sermon, we want to begin to pray with you. But if you could fill out a, a, a paper or something, let me know. I'd be glad to sit with you and talk with you personally sometime so that we could fight this battle together. If you're sick and you just need help in any way, any kind of prayers you need, I want you to go ahead and come forward. Uh, as, as I pray, I want you to just go ahead and come forward. Father, I thank you for this message today. I thank you for what you've done. I thank you, dear God, for our brother Jabez and Gloria for their ministry today. I thank you for all that you've done. And now, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would take the word, that you would plant it and water it in our hearts. As we have cast out the power of the enemy, now, Lord Jesus, we pray that your word would take root and we would have the fruit of the Spirit that would show up in our lives. Come, Holy Spirit. Heal homes. Heal families. Heal us in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to pray for those who have come. And if you want to come on up for prayer, you can. God bless you all. I know the service has lasted, uh, been lengthy this morning. We have had a lot to do. Be dismissed. If you're new to freedom, please meet us back in the Welcome Center. I would love to see you for a while. Uh, and uh, come back to my office. I love you. God bless you all.